James, you saw, he died. <laughs> we came, you saw, he died. <laughs> Look, you saw, he died. <laughs> Welcome, everyone, back to the August 1st edition of the Sports Ball Politics Podcast. I'm your co-host, Ross. Ross. And we have, who's the other guy? <laughs> your other co-host, Steve-O. Right, so we had to delay because we had, like, what, what was going on at, at Casa de Hopkins? What was happening with a chicken? Well, I got a, a chicken caught inside my garden. And she's a young girl, and she was not really understanding how to get out. So she was face first into the fence, into the fence, into the fence. It was like a goldfish in a bowl, and I felt really bad, and I had to go out and take care of that. So was it like a like, was it like a Dorchester chick? Like what? Oh, like an actual chicken? No, she's called a barred rock, a Plymouth rock. She's black and white. I, I suggest anyone go and look up what a barred rock looks like. They're beautiful little birds, great layers. Um, I have about 16 birds, and they give me about a dozen eggs every two days. Nice. Oh, so we're talking, I thought you had like a like a chicken, a chicken head, a pigeon. Like oh, your... a chicken head? No, no. I didn't. Yeah. In, oh, in, all in my this guy. time, all this time I thought you had a black and white. Okay, got it, got no. it. <laughs> Ross, um, awesome. So, she, so did, she, did she get her? Did she get her head out? I got her head out. I uh, took care of the situation. She's back, roaming and free ranging. And pretty soon it'll be bedtime for the girls, and they'll go into their coop. If, does she have good quality eggs, or are they kind of like lackluster? Oh, great quality eggs. Big and big and fertile and. Uh, I have these other chickens called Aracanas, and they lay uh, blue eggs, which are uh-huh. really cool. So I get a nice, you know, blue and and uh, normal normal color, all mixed nice. up in the bowl. It's pretty cool. Nice, good stuff. Good Do stuff. you guys have chickens at your house? Uh, that's a negative. How much space do you guys have? About two thousand square feet. No, uh, twenty. No, no, I'm, I'm talking about I'm talking about uh, land wise, like how many. Oh, so where we are in Pennsylvania, small lots, uh, plots rather. Um, half an acre? I think half an acre. That's big enough to have a chicken coop. Oh, God, I'm not putting a chicken coop in my house. Not in your house, Ross. You put it outside your house. It gives the kids responsibility, you guys fresh protein. I don't understand what's wrong with that. That's true. Our backyard's on a slope, so we're looking for things to do with it. Maybe I do put a chicken coop in there. Yeah, we have all kinds of ideas we should talk about. It's a really, it's a fun backyard project too, and we'll have the kids. You know, the, she can raise the, chi- the chicks from little uh, little chicks. You know, yep. um, have the kids handle them, so it's like more of a pet like project. Teach some responsibility. It's solid. Teach, teach responsibility, a love of, of life, a love of God's creatures, right? That's right. Yeah, and uh, I don't. I see. We have tick problems, so uh, in the spring getting into the summer so i really got them to have a you know a couple lines of defense to get them out there and clear out all the ticks um but you know secondary is they're a great again source of protein i eat a ton of eggs nice nice oh i cook a mean egg sandwich ross when it's all when it's all said and done and i'm retiring off the money from republic news um (laughs) i think (laughs) i think i'm gonna open a, a breakfast diner and that's always kind of been my passion to do Ooh, that would be interesting in Maine, right? Uh, yeah, it could, it could be anywhere. It could be, uh, I mean, it could be in Jamaica, on you know, it's somewhere, maybe somewhere warm. I think that's where I want to go, the next place. Like Jamaica Plain, or yeah, like Jamaica Plain. Jamaica Plain would be a good spot. I heard they're in need of a breakfast diner. I think they are, like a jerk chicken breakfast diner. Mmm. Um, all right. So while Steve puts his skull in his mouth, uh, is that what you're shaking up? No, no, no! I'm actually just getting the uh, the grinder ready so I can smoke massive amounts of weed while we talk. Okay, well, 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 we do that. So today's show, there's a lot going on. So we last taped last week. There's a lot going on. 
two big things we want to talk about today were uh, Anthony Scaramucci's the mooch. The mooch is the mooch well, is on mooch fire. Is loose. The mooch is loose. He is. He's now loose in the unemployment line. Uh, only last. He's a free 10. agent. He's a free agent now. So I don't know. Let's let, we can get into him first, and then there's a ton of developments on the Seth Rich stuff, which this is a perfect example of how fake news begets other fake news and dampens the whole real news. So I'll go into that in a second. Nothing's then, changed on the facts behind the scenes on Seth Rich. However, how NPR and CNN digest it is the epitome of fake news. So we'll talk about that later on. But uh, what are your what's your gut reaction on the mooch getting fired by Chief of Staff General Kelly? And before well, we even go into it, two new people, two people we were calling were going to step down or resign have already left, Spicer and Priebus. So... We called McMaster next, um, but we said it. Priebus is on the outs. Spicer's on the outs. And lo and behold, right around on cue, they're out. So, boom, you go. What are your thoughts on this, the Mooch leaving? Well, first of all, I think I'm gonna we're going to take some credit for we, uh, we're pretty dead on about that. Um, Priebus out. And I think we were, we've yep. been calling that. So congratulations to us as a bunch of no-name news sources. Um, yep. Who are clearly who are clearly following the right sources, not the wrong mainstream media propaganda networks, right? Right. Um, exactly. Well, I want to say. Lastly, are, are we also going to talk about today uh, virtue signaling on social media, or are we going to save that for another day? I want that to be its own episode. Oh, okay, right. So we'll save that for another day, and we'll we'll bring right. up those issues. Right. Because that's something we I want to put like a list of bullet points together, so we can all identify. Who we think in our lives are doing it, family members, friends, colleagues. That way it's a complete anonymity and the story Now, Ross, is if, you, if you feel like you have friends and family members who are, who are doing it, uh, virtue signaling, do you call them out or do you feel like that's your duty or do you more just pass it along and say, hey, it's someone else's job? I pass it along because the reason I do that is because in my own ways I probably virtue signal. Like, for instance, if you... If I say something like, oh, yeah, I was at Mass today, and what you're basically saying is, I'm holy, I go to church, right? You don't even know you're doing it half the time. Um, others, it's kind of like, well, when I was volunteering at the homeless shelter today, the funniest thing happened. Okay, you're basically telling the world you're a volunteering person, that you're here to be worshipped, and you're basically a Pharisee. So we all do it. We don't know we're doing it half the time. Um, but, yeah, I, to, your, to your question, I, 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 I pass. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, well, anyways, so. let's get back. Let's we'll we'll, go, we'll have that as you said for a whole another time. I think it's an interesting subject. Um, That's its we'll, own episode. That needs to be its own episode. It's its own episode. You're right. So we'll get into the mooch. Um, I thought it was a great run. It might have been short lived, but you know, it was like the uh, the the uh, you know the person who thinks about life and talks about the philosophy is you know get down and get down hard. You know, do it and grind it and get out right with a lot of yeah. memories and people never forgetting it and i think that that was the mooch uh in in his reign uh very short very memorable people will never forget it um and i think you know what i say is i i think it was more planned um you know it was more of uh you know in donald trump you know we'd like to say he's a he's a great strategist that's what people don't like to you know they don't like to admit because they're so angry with him right but as we pointed out he's very smart uh, you know, a Wharton grad, um, and, and he very much knows, pol uh, you know, the, the politics of, of how the news works, right, and how the media works. And as, you know, people in his camp have said, he might be the savviest person around the media that's ever existed uh, in going that far and knowing how to play them. So, you know, I, I think that the, the Mooch played his role, you know, kind of like the six man on a basketball team. Yep. I think that it was never a long-term thing. It was a, you know, I'm bringing in an outsider who really doesn't care, has nothing to lose. I'm going to give him a position and he's going to take out somebody as, as important as his chief of staff, Reese Priebus, writes Priebus, right? Um, right. Who was a, you know, and is a, you know, classic old school, you know, plugged in Republican, uh, which I think Trump, you know, as you've seen the obstructionists from the other side, the left, you know, what, what we don't talk about, what people is, what do see, though, is the obstructionism on the Republican side, too, right? We, we, yeah. we don't forget 
Donald Trump's a Democrat that took over the Republican Party, knocked them around like a bunch of ragdolls, and then took the nomination from them as, you know, the, the other DNC, as we found out, was completely fixed on the other side. But, you know, he's really a Democrat that became president on the Republican side. Uh, probably more he shares our views in the center uh, as a true liberal, right, and progressive uh, person. So, you know, again, uh, I think it was a very smart move taking out and using a piece that wasn't really, you know, um, you know, valuable, somebody who wasn't long term, somebody who could take the heat, uh, cause a lot of controversy and then remove a great, you know, important piece uh, to that Republican establishment like Prebus. I think it was a really great move. So do you, so that's a good point. So if you you may or may not know, but, you know, Scaramucci's had a wild turbulent two months in his personal life so he sold his co his company he's for like 500 flybridge capital yep um, which was just, a hedge fund based out of new york no actually i think it was in greenwich connecticut right yep i think yep. greenwich connecticut but uh like so he sold that uh he just got divorced he just had a kid like all this and, and then the harvard alumni directory listed him as dead this weekend so he's had a rough couple days um I don't know. Like I, I've read in some circles that he was a heat-seeking missile that was bound to just take out Spicer and Priebus, and to that end, he succeeded. But why would you go through all that shit just to last ten days in a job? I mean, a lot of this stuff came out because of that New Yorker interview, right? Uh, where he said, you know, Reince Priebus is a paranoid schizophrenic. He said that he doesn't want to be like Steve Bannon and suck his own cock whatever that means. Fabulous. Um, and I think that was enough to get under Bannon's skin. Let's talk and about that for that a minute. Point, Let me stop you. So what was yep. he talking about there? What was he talking about? I think I have an idea. I want to see what you think. I don't know if it was that Bannon was big into his own brand. He, and, well, yeah, Bannon, Bannon on the, on the, let's say on the undercurrents, right? He's a movie producer. Um, he he has he has written, produced, and directed a series of films, and there's a there's a current there's a, a a concurrent theme that runs throughout these films, and it's very deeply rooted in religion in the you know in your religion, Ross, and uh, kind of playing it out. You know, it's it's just this is an extension of the Holy War. Uh, you know, tracing it all the way back there. You have these great events throughout history that test, uh, you know, the tried and true patriotism of, you know, God-fearing people. And there really is such a thing as good and evil, um, you know, going as far as labeling it like that. And, he, and, he, and, he, and you see it in his movies that, that you can see through that. So he does have a very defined in his mind, understanding of how the world works, you know, looking at it from a very, you know, historical standpoint, bringing it to today. And I think interpreting that, you know, uh, people could, you know, then take out, you know, hey, this guy, uh, you know, he, this is what he believes, you know, he's, he's very staunch in his belief that this is what it is. So everything that he does is going to be in opposition to, you know, that evil that he believes in, or it's going to be in staunch support of the good, which in this case is the United States and Donald Trump and what he represents. Um, so I think that that's really that decoded, but lost in that. I think that you could find that somebody could, you know, it, it becomes radical, right? You could see how somebody who believes in such things, you know, to such to their core, whether right or wrong, you can define that as radical. Yep. So do you think, do you think to that end, and that's a good breakdown, I hadn't thought of it that way. Um, do you think that Scaramucci was doomed to be fired really early on in the tenure because Bannon still has the ear of the president? I think you said it. I, I think that this was a heat-seeking missile, and he was the missile. Uh, Donald Trump took out his his uh, you know his missile launcher, and he fired it in because he has the power to do so. And it was a good friend of his. How many times you know uh, did we see interviews in that short week span where you know where the mooch uh, couldn't couldn't say. Uh, in how many times in an interview that he was completely loyal to Donald Trump, right? First and foremost, this is my friend. This is my friend. Yeah. Well, you know what? What do you ask friends to do? Favors, right? So you get yeah. the most New York, brash, you know, nothing to lose guy, just sold his company, 
you know, he hates his wife because, and his wife hates him because he, you know, she's a never Trumper, you know, to her core, where, you know, like a lot of other, you know, men and women uh, have literally had to take Prozac, uh, another type of, you know, anti anxiety pills since Trump's presidency, which I think, again, that is its own n crazy, nonsensical thing, but that's a real thing. We should actually talk about that in a further podcast, too. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, uh, what he he used him, his friend, and did a favor as a heat-seeking missile to go in and take out a, a debilitating force uh, that was in his White House that was quote unquote supposedly on his team, but I think was really not only obstructionist, uh, but also you know the part of the big problem is you know the leaking, right? And I think that that was what we found out is that you know he was one of the big the big leakers. Yep. And so guess, you know uh, what? Again, mission accomplished, Ross. I think you pointed it out. Heat-seeking missile, missile uh, mission accomplished. It only took a week. He's sailing off with you know undisclosed you know tens and hundred million dollars. You know, single, looking like the mooch and doing whatever the hell he wants. Good for him. Right. And he served right. his country, right? He served his country as a patriot. Yep, he did his part. Yeah, so, exactly. Uh, he did his part, and that's what it's about. It's about teamwork, right? It's about team. No, that's that's a, an interesting take, and and we'll see what happens next. Um, but yeah, I, I'm so I guess it's a net it's a net positive. My kids are screaming in the background. It's a net positive because um, not scare not not Scaramucci fans, huh? Not Scaramucci fans. Apparently, um, you lost two stiffs, but you you got Mooch for a week. General John Kelly is a very buttoned up professional military guy, four star general general. Um, I, I'm curious. I, I don't know much about him other than his military record, but there are now folks saying that the Iraq clique now has control of the White House. You have John Kelly as chief of staff. You have General Mattis as head of the uh, uh, Secretary of Defense. And you have uh, uh, Dunford as joint chiefs of staff. So Sir Trump is now surrounded by military men, very wise generals, um, it makes him coup-proof. So that's a good move that they were always angling towards. I like that. Mike Flynn should have been in that inner circle, but that was one of the big mistakes of the, the administration, firing him when they did. Um, I think in the end, Scaramucci and Flynn will go down as some of the bigger mistakes. Um, but listen, if they can plug and play and put new people in there, I just really hope they get a communications person that is IT savvy, that is Twitter savvy, media savvy, I don't want some guy from the 90s that's really good at sounding like Charles Krauthammer or Maya Angelou. Like, I want someone who can actually work the business cycle, work the news day, control it, control social media. Um, we can't have a slow-moving, milk-toast person coming in there, rated G or PG. Like, we need someone that's PG-13 that makes you think uh, and gets in there and just dominates. That's why I think Kellyanne Conway will be the next person. I hope so. I think she would be fantastic, and she really doesn't take any shit from any of those fake mainstream media networks. Right. I have a lot of respect for her, you know. And as as you know, I, I want to point this out because as as you see, probably Ross and in, in here a lot from the other side is that you know what is Donald Trump doing? Well, amongst a lot of a lot of things he's doing, he's really breaking ground uh, in laying the path for females to come in and hold really high positions within the White House. Uh, right. In in the last two, as you saw, press secretaries being Kellyanne Conway and um, um, who's a, who's a new girl who's current now. Um. Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Sarah Huckabee Sanders, right? That's never happened in White House history. Uh, so for all the, the ladies out there, for all of the real feminists out there, take notice. That's real, you know, breaking glass ceilings. Um, and, and I think that that's worthy of, of note. That's true. They're never going to give credit for that. They're never going to give credit to Kellyanne Conway for being the first campaign manager that was a female. They're never going to give credit to the fact that two of the three White House press secretaries were women in the Republican uh, Party. Um, so I, I just, and Sarah Huckabee Sanders is very, she's she's dry, she just has this look of like, I hate all you people. So uh, she's got a good, good way about her. You know where you stand. And today she just totally kicked kicked ass. What she did was she, um, 
she said something to the extent of like you guys keep they kept asking 15 different angles to um like the scaramucci i'm sorry not the scaramucci the uh how how donald trump supposedly dictated to donald trump jr how to answer a question about uh you know the the russia collusion attorney and, and they asked the same question 47 different ways oh we're still like, talking about russian collusion oh yeah they are you thought after jared kushner's um mic drop last week or two weeks back no they're still on to it because a, a story broke that donald trump dictated to his son how to answer a question on the testimony about the russian lawyer and um oh they started impeachment over that yeah, well, they're, they're, they're trying to regurgitate things and start up a storm again. And she had the perfect response. She just went into a one-and-a-half-minute diatribe about how, you know, there's actual – you look at words words of the Trump campaign versus the actions of the Clinton campaign and the DNC. And she just totally just knocked it out of the park. Whereas well, Sean Spicer would have been struggling. He would have been stuttering. He would have been drooling on himself. Um, he would have been nervously laughing. She doesn't fuck around, and I love that. I love that about her. So – um, but yeah, so that's that's the Mooch situation in a nutshell. So where do you think I, the Mooch lands, Ross? Where where does the Mooch land? Does he go back into some cushy private thing? What's he going to do? He could. He could also privately advise behind the scenes. So what many don't know is that Trump and Mike Flynn still regularly talk. Um, Mike Flynn ended on a good uh, on a bad note with the Trump family, uh, with the Trump administration. But he's still in touch with Donald Trump. He's still a quiet advisor in the background. And um, I think the same for Scaramucci. He'll still inform on media stuff. He'll still be a closet, you know, consultant slash advisor to the communications staff. Not that he got to learn the ropes, but um, I think I think he'll have some type of quiet role within the administration. Maybe he comes back two years from now um, if if General Kelly gets things under his thumb the way he should. Um, then a you know a a humble Scaramucci can come out and maybe rejoin the administration. I don't think he's done in the administration yet, though. Interesting. So, but, so that's interesting. So we'll see where it goes. I think it's going to be a tighter ship. You still see leaks, though, because Jared Kushner, uh, actually, to his credit, brought up a really good point that liberals don't consider. There's no such thing as Russia collusion because, as you can see, the Trump administration has organized chaos as one of its mottos. So... You know, they can't even get their own story straight half the time, it seems. Why would they be able to coordinate and collude with Russia in secret? They can't even get their own, you know, talking points out without it leaking. Uh, and that le- that actual, that, that speech by Kushner leaked today, and it was a conversation to all of the White House interns. So what's now happening is not only are senior leadership leaking, um, they're leaking to subordinates and junior people of the administration, I think a lot of people are actually just White House interns that are being <laughs> secretly recording with their phones conversations because they're millennials, millennials that have just entered the workforce. They don't know. They're never, of, <laughs> they're never Trumpers. They're they're Obama plants. They're either Obama plants or they're just they're people who, you know, have a have a background that they want to get into it, but they don't know where they want to go, and they're just lucky to be there. So they, they don't know a damn thing about what it means to be professional and what you can do, what's off the record, what's not on the record. They're growing up in an environment where everything is leaked, so they just think that's the normal way of doing things. So they're going to keep doing that. Um, so I'd say burn, ban all the interns. If you're an intern, you're 20, 20, 22 years old, you don't need to be in the freaking White House. Just abandon that program. Sorry, not sorry. Abandon the program. Go work for like a staffer outside of the White House. You don't need to be in the White House. So let listen. We just touched on something, and I think this this has been you know breaking into the alternative, which I guess we are media, and I think it's worth talking about. We didn't plan on it, but we're going to insert this in here. Is you know, and it's important to note throughout history, one of the great things, American history, right? Not world history, American history. One of the great things about America is no matter what you dis- what what your political ideas are or your economic ideas are you know going back to our founding fathers who were not on the same page uh, about almost anything they were diametrically opposed and as a matter of fact to to most points that were eventually became the the constitution and our bill of rights right and one, one of the things that we pulled out of that, which is an ongoing legacy in the United States, was not only the ability to compromise and, and hammer out this fantastic, 
you know, document that is, tr you know, at least, uh, you know, uh, it, it's it's governed us and it's it's brought us to the point where we are the greatest civilization that's ever lived uh, for many reasons, right? And we continue to be, and we continue are the place where everybody wants to come. And what what comes with that, in part of tradition over the past two hundred plus years of presidencies, has been the peaceful transition. Right where you don't have that in even a lot of other democracies, quote unquote, which we're not. We're a constitutional republic. Biggest mistake I hear all the time, which people are okay with. But as soon as you ever hear people say we're a democracy, I don't care if you say it out loud or you think it in your head. No, we're not. We are not. Yep. We never were. We're a constitutional republic. But one of the things that's made our republic great has been the peaceful transition of presidencies from one to another, right? Even if it's uh, going from a Whig to a Republican or a Democrat to a Republican or vice versa in modern times. And, and that has been one of the keystones, right, of, of our process and of our, of, our, of our style of government, right? So what's notable about that, it's important to set up, is for, the, for at least a notable first time in modern history, Barack Obama has set up, a, we'll call it a bunker, two miles outside of, of the White House, literally two miles outside from the White House, where his main job, along with some of his staffers, especially from his Obamacare, right, his former health secretaries uh, and deputies within that department, I think Loretta Lynch or, you know, some of those folks or, or join him, they have two morning phone calls at 7.45 and 8.15 every morning where they go over the, the points, the bullet points to feed to the media, right, which is a lot of the yep. stuff you see and to obstruct and to plant and to activate, we'll call it, you know, certain actors that he deep planted with inside of the administration over the eight years that he's there. And that, think about that, right? Think about that if you're an American, I don't care what side you're on, like, that is what the Russians would do. And what right. everybody would freak the fuck out about, right? Is that they right. would, they were they make movies about that. And this is somebody who's done that, and again, the United States is an experiment in, in this is, you know, we voted the people on the Trump side. This is four years. You don't like it? Suck it up, buttercup. Grab your bootstraps, get some good ideas, and get some people elected in the next four years. But guess what? He's not a dictator. We don't have a system of dictatorship. He's out in four years if you all vote him out and you right. get some of us to do it. Right. Right? And, and even, yeah. So, so even if – so look at look as a microcosm. To all the people who say he's a dictator, look at this microcosm, the whole uh, immigrant ban from countries on, like, watch lists or what have you. If Trump is such a dictator, why is he still having trouble shaking a Hawaiian uh, a, a court of appeals judge on that stupid immigration thing? I wouldn't say it's stupid. I actually agree with it. Um, like, well, if, if he's such a dictator, so the most dictatorial thing in the mind of a liberal was the whole banning of people from countries that we don't like. Well, you know what? He's having trouble because a, a, a low-ranking Hawaiian judge is giving him trouble, and he keeps tripping him up. If he's getting tripped up by a Hawaiian judge on something, he can't get, become a dictator because chances are the more extreme he gets, he'll get tripped up even more. So it's basically set up so that you can't have a dictator. Unless we're in some martial law scenario. Yeah, that's right. No, no, you're right. And, you know, and, and, and again, let's just go back and visit that, like, and what he's doing. I mean, he's well-funded, right? And, and I encourage people to look this up. It's, you know, it's he's doing it through a, a network of nonprofits, right? Uh, essentially, NGOs and these nonprofits, the same ones that are helping these economic migrants uh, in from Africa and in places in the Middle East into Europe, right? It's the same type of groups, these leftist nonprofits group, and it's led by one called Organizing for Action. And I, I encourage people to look that up because, again, even if you're a quote-unquote Obama fan, you should not be a fan of these actions that this is taking. Because if anything, think of the bigger picture about our constitutional republic and if anything what they're doing is they're laying the groundwork for let's say you guys the you guys quote unquote on the opposite end get in eventually it will happen right the world is cyclical life is cyclical well you've laid the groundwork for now the republicans or whatever party will be the ruling opposition party to do exactly the same thing 
And how is that good for anybody? It's not. It's not. And it, it, it basically, you know, could you imagine? It, picture me eight years ago as, as Bush was leaving office and Obama was coming in. As much as I didn't like it, I was willing to give him a chance. I didn't like him. Um, but imagine if, if, if it reported like, like – so you referenced the Dick Morris report yesterday that said two different times in the morning – they are telegraphing talking points to their, their people inside the White House and Capitol on what to what to counter with. That's right. There are people the there resistance. are people jumping in and out all throughout the morning on these phone calls, picking up these points, getting into the debates and the talking points, and then literally bringing it across the country to local groups, you know, who are on the ground, you know, protesting as we see them on the news, which they do report on, are these protesters, which half the people don't even know what the hell they're protesting about. Right. right. You, right. you shared you shared a story today that I saw and it was some stupid lady that was protesting Nike and she was wearing Nikes. Right. They don't know they're doing it. That's that's the thing. It's like and I don't, I'm not one to paint broad brushes, but, you know, some of these people that are protesting, they're bozos. They don't know what they're doing. They have Starbucks. They have iPhones. They have Nikes. You know, they're wearing an Adidas hat. Yet they they protest corporatism. So that's exactly what these people do. And these are the people that Obama, two miles down the road from the White House, with his former chief of staff Valerie Jarrett, um, are now who, who moved in, who moved into their in. mansion. Isn't that like with all the other stuff that's going on with these leaders on the left? Like it's starting, it's getting a little creepy, isn't it? It's very creepy. But like again, imagine if Bush, George Bush, and uh, Karl Rove moved two miles down the road from Barack Obama in the White House. And every morning at 8.30 and 9.15 started telegraphing to their little neocon plants in the White House how to trip up Obama in his agenda. You know, I would have gone berserk. I, as somebody who voted for Obama, I would have gone fucking berserk if that fucking mur- murderer you know, should be in the Hague right now tried for war crimes. If he obstructed Obama with his hope and change, and I'm being serious because I believed in it back then, I would have gone nuts, and I think the rest of the country would have too. Of course. I imagine as an example for all any of the, the, the meathead sports fans that are probably listening. I don't want to make fun of our listeners, but imagine if every time you know the Red Sox took the field and there was a pop-up to one of the infielders, a member of the opposing dugout ran onto the field and just tackled them before they could catch the pop fly. Wouldn't you be like, what the fuck are you doing? Can you just... Go away, stay on the sidelines, let the game play out. You know, the Red Sox may win, they may lose, but you know what? Just stay on the, off the field. Why do you have to interfere? This is exactly what Obama's doing. Bush went off into the sunset. As every as every other president did, Ross, it was part of the process. It's always been part of the process. This is breaking so far away from protocol, and it's some of the most dangerous acts that we've seen to our, our system. Right. So, so say let's... Let's flip it again. Say Trump leaves the White House in 2020 or 2024. <laughs> 2024. It's already guaranteed 2024. in 2020. But, you know here. Imagine, you know. Imagine you know, I'm sorry. I, we're going to get back to your point about him potentially doing that. But do you know who they're thinking about and actually propping up in 2020 to run against him? Uh, Maxine Waters. Stop it. That's funny, and that was the joke. But on the on the right path. No, that's not a joke. That's legit. There, she's already. Is she the is she the millennial vote? Because that's freaking hilarious. But you're on the right path. The one I heard today, Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris, who's backed by Clinton in Clinton's camp, oh, right? Because she'll be the new face. Because remember, there, the, 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 we've talked about this. This is the theme that goes on in our podcast. Is that you know, at least on I'm saying the the Democratic Party, it's they're cannibalizing each other. Their logic doesn't mix, and their groups that make up their party, they they're they're eating each other. Right. And it started happening with, you know, with the Bernie bros, you know, who, you know, were first forced to abscond and get along with the Clinton camp. Right. As Bernie cowered, uh, you know, down and and went along and, you know, as a good old boy. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's. Oh, man. It's interesting. It's very interesting. So. That, you know, that's kind of the inside scoop. This is stuff that, like, this is, if you can understand, this is stuff that Fox News isn't covering. This is stuff that CNN, MSNBC, NPR, PBS. No one's covering this stuff. You and I, Steve, are breaking stuff that we're reading because we're well 
read on the news of our time. Well, the right ones, right. Media. You know, and on, yeah. I want to bring this back. So, like, you know, bring it back to, so you have, in the Democratic Party, you have the Clinton camp. And I think that that's a dangerous camp for the Democratic Party because they still believe, like, they're kind of, you know, uh, uh, we'll call it, uh, what were we, you know, they're, they're fanatics in that they believe that she won. She legitimately yep. won and that she should be president and that if X, Y, and Z... She would be she would be president. So why wouldn't she run in four years? It's just natural to them, right? And then you have that group on the left. Right, it is. You have the group on the left that's going, oh God, right? She was a horrible candidate, right? They kind of they see it. She was horrible. I can admit it, but I hate Trump. Oh, I hate Trump, and he's horrible. <laughs> right, like re, right. Yep. Yep. But yeah. but but they're willing to admit and break with that and say she's horrible, and I think that that's really scary for Hillary, right? Because that's the center of the left. Then you got the you know kind of other center of the left that is you know definitely not Hillary, uh, and and I'm willing to go for another candidate though, but I'm not necessarily going to go with Bernie either because Bernie coward, Bernie's a socialist, right? And then you yep. have the far left, right? What am I on our fourth group? And now you're yep. in Bernie's camp. You're back with the Bernie bros and Bernie's message and socialism and single payer, right? Healthcare yep. model, right? All of those really horrible ideas, which is plaguing Venezuela into absolute chaos right now. If anybody's yep. paying attention exactly. to that, it's like Mad Max uh, on steroids over there right now for the citizens of that country. Exactly. Two two opponents of Maduro just got arrested at their homes today. Right, taken by the secret uh, police. It's, it's like, but you know what? It's horrible, right? But that I mean, listen, we have a, we we have this like for people who are paying attention, we have this live look at this system that there is a person in this country that represents, as I just pointed out, one part of one really important group that's going. We need to do this here. Yep. Yep. Exactly. That's dangerous. Look around the world. See, they, they look at Denmark or Norway and say, oh, socialism works beautifully. Well, no, the bigger the country gets, i.e. the United States, Venezuela, you know, the more people you have to accommodate with that that structure, the worse socialism gets. That's right. And nowhere so nowhere do any of those it, countries have anywhere close to the population of 350 million people in the United States that we have. Right. right. Not to mention, not to mention, right, we're talking about health care and how many and what's their obesity problem compared to ours, because at least over there in a lot of those countries that do it, they are pretty fit people, more or less. Exactly. Exactly. Right. So we have a bunch of fat fucking slobs over here, which is about 60 bright. I'm not, it's, it's this. These are the, these are the facts, folks. Right. 60 per, plus percent. And that's just men, women and children are obese. Right, yep. and that's you know, in so obesity. At what, point, at what point? Go ahead. No, you go. It's it's skipping today. No, I was going to say obesity. You know, in in in, re, in related to the to obesity and all those related diseases, heart diseases, right? Uh, diabetes, you know, diabetes, the the diabetes, you know, the, all these yep. really horrible things. That's all related to the to that type problem, right? Yep. And I'm sure that there's cancers that are related to a lot of that stuff too, which is, you know, a really scary issue. So Right, and the processed food and all that stuff that we have over here uh, that isn't a problem over in Denmark and Norway and wherever these other wonderful socialist areas that liberals keep pointing to as sub-utopia, um, there's a lot of different variables they're not considering. It's just so, not, yeah, they're not considering. All that together, yeah, exactly. socialism, it's, it's just not working out. It's not working out, and I think these people are going to start to realize that. So that's why it all comes back to letting Trump and his agenda take shape, whether you like it or not. Do beat him at the ballot box, beat him through legislative, uh, you know, obstruction. As far as just Democrats saying no, 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 that's fine. It's legal. It's within the law. But this whole screwing up, knocking people over while they're trying to catch a pop up, tripping up the Trump with leaks, Russia collusion, all this other crap. It, it's not something you're going to want to experience on the if the shoe was on the other. No, foot, man, so that's that's a, that's bush league, right? It's all the thing. It's it's bush league. It's it's bad sportsmanship. It's a rod batting the glove, or the ball out of uh, 
you know, a Veritex glove or whoever was there at first base, right? Like it's, uh, you know, it's people taking steroids. It's Lance Armstrong, right? Like doping fucking and then ruining people's lives. Like, you know, pathologically, you know, with a psycho, you know, just a complete psycho doing it with no remorse, right? right, Until he's caught. And and that's what this is, right? So cut it out. (laughs) <laughs> right, cut it out. So, so yeah, exactly. You know, Get on the Trump train. A kick returner as he's about to score a touchdown, right? If you, you know, it's 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 very frustrating. So okay, so that's kind of I know we were kind of all over the place like we usually are, but that's good. A lot of data gets dropped, and if people pick it up, so be it. Um, the other big story today, and this is something we wanted to talk about because of the way the news is going to report it. So. Uh, folks that are paying attention may have seen an article from NPR Folks that are today. woke. Woke. Hashtag woke. Folks that are woke may have seen an article about Rod Wheeler, who was the guy that was on Fox News two months ago, uh, talking about the Seth Rich case. He's, an, he's a private investigator, was hired by the Rich family to conduct the investigation, was giving, given funding from a wealthy Republican donor to move things along. According to him, uh, according they, according to him, by the way, has a signed agreement and contract uh, signed by the father of Seth Rich. So that's important to just kind of leave out there that that document, according to him, is, is in existence. Yep, it is. It is. And so long story short, Wheeler got in touch with this donor who also got in touch with a Fox News reporter. Um, so this Fox News reporter... And this donor guy uh, met with Wheeler, and they kind of interviewed him, got some information. And then the Fox News article was written, and there were some misquotes about him. So Wheeler initially said, according to the Fox News account, he had directly seen that Seth Rich was the the WikiLeaks leaker. He saw a connection. He saw the emails. Um, It's all real, blah, blah, blah. Well, that story breaks. Sean Hannity picks it up. It's all over the news in mid-May. Uh, fast forward a couple days, eventually Fox goes back on their words as well, we may have misspoke, we didn't go through the normal process to get this story out, Sean Hannity then had to back up, it was a little bit of red, uh, you know, a little bit of egg on their face, however, uh, Wheeler then shows up a couple days later on Fox News to defend himself, and his story doesn't really deviate that much, because at the end of the day... Both the people that wrote the story and uh, Rod Wheeler himself still agree that Seth Rich is indeed the WikiLeaks leaker, not Russia. Um, That he did indeed receive word from an FBI source uh, who had actually read the the files, read the emails live real-time to Wheeler while they were on the phone, that Seth Rich was indeed the one providing Dropbox information, providing the emails to WikiLeaks. Uh, <laughs> By the way, so a fucking boom. Total boom. Total. Boom. However, the way this was spun in the media is that NPR writes a piece narrating the timeline and everything, and then they call it fake news. They say, oh, this is, this is the fake news that the Republicans got to run with. And why did they say that? Because this donor was connected in with Bannon, was connected in with Spicer, who floated the article that was written uh, to Trump in May. Trump, of course, reading it is like, yeah, this is okay. If you think it's true, go out with it. Get that out. So the donor that funded the investigation said to Wheeler, no pressure, but we got to get this story out. We're going to release it hastily. And Wheeler's like, okay, I I interviewed with you. uh, Release it. And that's when all this stuff started to snowball to the point where Wheeler had to get back on TV. Well, long story short, fast forward a couple months, today a court document was filed and Rod Wheeler is taking uh, Fox News and this donor to court because his name has been sullied over over the whole fact that he was quote-unquote misquoted. Um, and all it's done today is created a lot of ugly back and forth, he said, she said. NPR and CNN are now picking up the story saying, Hey guys, look, it's fake news, just like the dossier where there's, you know, piss games and golden showers. Hey, see, and look, and Trump liked it. Trump said, get this story out, blah, blah, blah. Well, if you actually, and I actually read the document, it's 20 pages long. It seems like a stretch. They're trying to make it look like Wheeler's some victim here. And this is the guy that I actually defended and, and believe what he was saying. And I still do believe him. His story hasn't changed. The way he was misquoted by Fox in the interest of getting a quick story out is shameful. But at the end of the day, I don't blame Trump for saying, yeah, if it's a good story, go with it. Um, 
And this has been all over the news today. So NPR is doing a, a happy dance, a touchdown end zone dance. Um, CNN's doing a victory lap saying, oh, great, fake news. See, Trump was duped. The Seth Rich story can be put to bed now. Well, no, not at all. Because oh, in, the fa- wrote, in the famous words of Lee Corso, not so fast. Not so fast. Because what broke right before Steve and I started um, our podcast tonight uh, at about 6.30 Eastern time, WikiLeaks has just published a, a what is it, a 30-minute audio with Wheeler and a six-minute audio of Seymour Hirsch, a Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist for The New Yorker, um, who is on tape saying, uh, to be fair, he says he doesn't think Rich was killed because of what he knew. But then three minutes later, he says, Seth Rich, um, you know, the FBI informant has been talking to Seymour Hirsch as well, who's got as impeccable credibility as you can get, um, and said basically what Rod Wheeler had said, that Seth Rich was leaving drop boxes throughout Washington, D.C., for um, other IT people to get access and, and, and send along to WikiLeaks all of the, the data. This is not the Podesta leak. This is the DNC one that resulted in Debbie Wasserman Schultz stepping down. So uh, it does appear that Seth Rich is the one, as we've been saying all along, before this even made its way into Trump's hands in May. Can I pause right for a second? Even... Let me pause you for a second. Yeah. It, it, you know, as you're telling me this story, I just get this picture in my head, right? And I don't know how many people who are maybe listening have seen the video of Debbie Wasserman Schultz sitting with the D.C. Capitol Police Chief and asking for a laptop that they seized back, yep. right? And at yep. the end of the altercation as she's walking through the steps on why she thinks they should get it back and the D.C. Police Chief is just politely saying, sorry, not happening, we're keeping it. What does she say, Ross? She says there's going to be consequences. Right? Essentially, like, yeah, you're going to be sorry. You yeah. know, and think of that, right? And, like, think of all these things that, that, that you know, Seth Rich is doing, which undeniably, one way or another, if those are true, led to her being fired. And then think of that statement in the way that she looked and that coming out like that. Yeah. Scary. Is she... She was total speculation. Don't get me wrong. Like I'm not, I'm not saying anything besides just you know speculation and just kind of putting that thought there out there. Yep, yep. But but again, it, it all leads into, and this is so. You know, Rod Wheeler shows back up on Twitter last week, and again, whether people want to say he's discredited or whatnot doesn't matter because at the end of the day, both people, both parties of the lawsuit are saying the same thing. Seth Rich was the leaker. Seymour uh, Hirsch is now saying the same thing. Seth Rich was the leaker. WikiLeaks is not allowed to reveal a source, but they're saying the same thing. Seth Rich is the leaker. Uh, yeah, Julian Assange. Julian Assange essentially said. Tapes. Yeah, Julian Assange essentially said that. You know, back a year plus ago. Remember? Right. I mean, more so, or less, so, right? Because Seth Rich was gone at that point, so it was kind of a. Because remember, we've talked about that weird interview with uh, the the Danish interviewer who he talks about the murder, and, and Assange is like, "No, it's not what you think it is." There's a lot more going on there. So, but he can't release a source, or he'll never get sources again. So, um, but you know, you and I were talking about this for six to eight months. My friends at work, we were talking about Seth Rich as early as August 2016. So, for them to then say, "Oh, the Trump story," because it made its way to Trump in May, and they ran with a story where the quotes had to be tweaked a little bit because Fox published it too fast. Therefore, it's all fake news. It never happened. That's bullshit, and that's exactly what NPR is doing right now. That's exactly what CNN is doing. Trump probably did not know who the hell Seth Rich was before he was handed that article in mid-May. Right. Um, let's be honest with ourselves here. Uh, whereas alternative media and the rest of the citizen journalists have been on the case the whole time. And this is why I actually Twitter blasted Rod Wheeler today. Not that he's going to freaking read my tweets, but what I said was like, look, citizen journalists are the new wave or the new future. We can't afford to get shit wrong, okay? So when someone who's been on the case about Seth Rich or been on the case about the DNCIT guy, on the case about this, that, and the other thing, we have to be super careful, more so than a mainstream media network, because we're the ones that are going to be called discredited conspiracy thin tinfoil hat people if we step up a little, if we if we slip up a little bit. A fake news media like CNN can can do whatever the hell they want. They're still going to have tens of millions of followers. We can't afford to have Rod Wheeler get misquoted by Fox News. 
um, five, you know, Rod Wheeler and citizen journalists and investigative journalists who want to get their name out there and have credibility have to do a better job of getting their message out. Mm, they have, point. when Fox News comes a knocking, you need to fucking record yourself, record the interview, do just what Alex Jones did with Megyn Kelly. Know that you're going to be misrepresented, misquoted, some, something's going to be spliced out of order, it's going to make you look stupid or make you look like you're crazy. Record yourself anytime the media comes to you. That way you can go back and counter the narrative within minutes of seeing something air on national television. And this Wheeler guy, as much as I like what he said, and I'm going to go listen to his clip after this call, uh, he fucked himself over. He's fucked over the Seth Rich movement of people saying, hey, this guy was the leaker. Now it's no better than the dossier to the rest of the liberal media. Because this guy couldn't record himself talking to Fox News. This guy couldn't sign something that says, hey, here's what we're agreeing to today. I was not the one that I'm directly quoting. I'm the one that has an FBI source. They should have done a better job coordinating that. It's too important to fuck up. And this guy somehow fucked it up. I'm not even taking sides in this lawsuit. Both parties have screwed up because they were overzealous to get some news out to counter Russia. When if it just came out naturally the way it's coming out, it would have still vindicated everybody. But instead, there's a there's a unforced error. This is bulletin board material. You and I, Steve, talk about bulletin board material all the time where, you know, to those who aren't familiar with it, it's the week before the Super Bowl and you have media day. Coaches tell their players, don't say anything stupid that's going to rally and, and, and uh, encourage the other team to put your name on a bulletin board so that you can make fun of you and that can motivate them to do to play even better in the, in the Super Bowl. Um, you don't want to do that. It's the worst thing you can do. If you're going into a Super Bowl, Tom Brady doesn't say, I think we're going to beat the shit out of the Falcons. Right, because they're, well, no, yeah, well, they're terrible and you know we're a way better team and all that, right? You, you're not allowed to show your hand with that kind of stuff. Much so with politics, the news media is going to be waiting for you to screw up. They're licking their chops, waiting for you to screw up. So when they see something like this where two people that are patriots are going after this Seth Rich case and they start fighting with each other, it's the epitome of stepping on a rake. Like this is something that shouldn't have had to happen. Work this stuff out. Be communicating constantly so that it's a clear message that goes out. Seth Rich was the leaker. Instead, it's now he said, she said, and both of them are technically right. But, but you know, it's just, it's very frustrating. So that's what's been dealing right now. WikiLeaks countered everything by conveniently releasing the audio tape of Cy Hirsch saying that CIA, former CIA director John Brennan is in on it. Mike Rogers was in on it, former NSA guy. Uh, uh, Clapper's less of a shithead, but he was the former CIA head. I'm sorry, not the CIA head. I think Clapper was the... Uh, defense intelligence guy um, but either way these guys were the ones that floated the story that the GRU which is the Russian intelligence agency was responsible for hacking when um, it's completely bullshit and you know those guys are scum for doing that but we gotta counter globalist them. rat have... scum globalist rat scum we can't have these scum doing that and we gotta do better as a as a, as a citizen citizen journalism which we are not we're just podcast hosts but we got to be better at this stuff. We can't have these unforced errors where people are fighting in the in the in the mainstream media, and, and it cheapens the cause. So that's the truth. We've now countered the narrative of fake news by giving you the real news the same day it happened. Uh, that's how this stuff works. That's how alt media works. Um, so thoughts? I know I talked a lot on that one, but any thoughts? Uh, I'm just I'm just gonna be. I, mean, I already are interested in to see how it plays out. Yeah. So, um, but uh, excuse me. Um, nice but that, that's the that's the latest that's the latest news from DC. Um, I think you know, Steve. We're at the fifty-three minute mark. Do you want to call it a night? We'll reconvene on Thursday. Yeah, I think we had a I think we had a great sesh there. Uh, very well informed, Ross. I appreciate the info. Say that sentence over again. It did that thing again. Oh, I said I I I th- that was very well informed, and I appreciate the info. You and I both dropped a ton of information tonight. Both of us did. So um, it's good for our friends to hear and any listeners. And, uh, you know, I think um, we'll see how the week plays out. But I think I would expect a more strict, rigid um, Trump administration this week. Trump's going to use Twitter a little less, I think, because of General Kelly. He respects military. Um, He'll get in line. 
Um, so I think you'll start to see a more organized admin. But, you know, keep an eye on North Korea. Keep an eye on Iran. Uh, keep an eye on China. There's a lot of jockeying right now. Um, so I guess maybe that's something we can touch base on Thursday if we haven't gone to World War Three yet. Yeah, what else? Good. This is a, it's a good one, though, before we go. What else to keep an eye on this upcoming week? I would say, I mean, the stock market, you and I both know it's in a bubble. It's 22,000 in the Dow. So. Yeah, the real estate. You know, in, in, yeah, the, so the, let's talk about two things, right? I think this is important. Yeah. The stock market, why it's in a bubble, and then let's also get into really quickly, because I've talked to a couple people about it, and it's a you know crazy idea, but for the people who are, in, are lucky enough to have, a, I call it, the, they're in the Goldilocks zone in real estate where you have $100,000 plus in quote unquote equity in your house, you have that now. It's like gambling at the poker table or the you know, the roulette table. You're up now, but you stay there and you don't cash out, that will be gone. Correct. It will be gone. And in some cases you'll owe, right? It's called being underwater in your mortgage, right? For some people. Yep. So you know, if you're one of those people that finds themselves with a hundred plus thousand dollars in equity in your place, I understand you're in a position maybe with kids or a kid, young kid, uh, and it's 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 tough, right, for you to switch. It's worth it. It's worth it. Cash out, buy a retirement home, right, free and clear with that. Uh, you know, do what you what your parents did and that generation did, and we just in our generation and the ones behind us definitely don't have the opportunity to and this is our time to do it because it is a real estate bubble worse than it was in the two in the mid 2000s leading up to the crash in 2007 2008 um, which you know crippled the global economy this real estate one was worse uh, than the one that was before there the one that we're in right now so again, you know, it's it's tough, but take advantage of it. Pull the trigger, pull the equity out, do something smart with it. Buy a vacation home, buy an income-producing property, right? And then, and then, if you want to stay in the area you're in, great. Rent something. Go rent a house and use some of that equity, and you're still working to pay for that. You know, you might have to commit to 12 to 24 months to do it, but you will be the smart person as the tide goes out on the market you know every house goes up for sale the same exact type and then it's just a feeding frenzy to the bottom right for people getting yep. rid of their houses if you're sitting there and you got some cash you've got a good you've got some good credits you've been sacking some cash away renting that's the time where you go and you go get a you know the same house or better than you were before staying in the community but now you're going to have better terms you're going to be able to put down more equity you're going to have your vacation home it's food for thought until it's not there's my rhyme right right so that's actually maybe that's also a good future episode where we told we have to give the disclaimer that we're not financial advisors but um, you're in it. You're a real estate insider kind of guy. You're plugged into everything that's going on in real estate. Um, so I think that would be a good episode. That'd be a good little nugget for everybody. Yeah, it could be interesting. They, they don't want to. Admit, they don't admit. We don't. We as Americans don't admit we're in bubbles. You and I can say it. We're not sucking, you know, Trump's dick here. We know we're in a bubble. Trump knows we're in a bubble. So anytime he brags about the economy, the cynic in me says, "Hey, wait a minute. If I said Obama was in a bubble." And Trump gets in, I can't magically just say that he's not in a bubble anymore. It's, it's genuine organic. It's, it's the same thing. It's the same principle. We're still in a bubble. The bigger the bubble, the harder the crash. So 2008 is going to look like a picnic compared to what's coming. The question is, will they will they pull the plug with Trump so he can be the, the blame here? Or do they, they ride it out because they're too scared to see what happens? What Steve said is correct, though. Um, your equity is at a peak right now it's only going to go down where where are you at in your situation are you up right now i'm up right now yeah like how much i mean we just bought two years ago oh so like yeah i know but like how much are you up over a hundred thousand in equity right now in your neighborhood no um in my house in my equity no because i just moved into my neighborhood two years ago um we have our down payment but i would say no, I, I don't think I don't think I have I don't have that that level of equity yet. Well, I mean, the market's going to keep going. I've, I've I've heard for you know the rest of this year, maybe and start t 
taking a nosedive later. But, you know, I just don't trust it, right? Because it's so dependent on the Fed. And, you know, you've seen the never Trumpers and they're scattered all over the place, right? There's a lot of appointees from Obama that's there too. So, um, you know, they could just pull the pin on the economy at every, at any, at any time they want, right? Uh, which leads into the great ways of what we talk, started talking about, which was the stock market, because since the first crash and what were since 2007, 2008, we're now, what, uh, almost 10 years out of that. And, you know, we're so we're, we're a decade out. And what they did is they had quantity, they, they an issue, they, they enacted something as a mechanism called quantitative easing, right, which uh, the layman's term is print more money that's not backed by anything but just quote unquote guarantee and secure it by the full faith and by the united states right and the fed um and they just printed trillions of dollars that then they lent to the banks at a at literally almost zero prime interest rate which is what's kept our as consumers and home buyers and car buyers our interest rates next to zero and they supposedly were supposed to use that money, banks were, and, and put it out there to entrepreneurs and lend and, and credit. And they have a little bit, right? But what the majority of those banks did is they took that money and they threw it into the stock market, right? And that's where you've yeah. seen this, these historic rallies. And in, 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 you know, you know more than anyone, like you have a hard time finding something that I don't like and agree with Trump in what he's done, but it bothers me when I see him taking, uh, you know, credit for these historic economic times and pointing to the stock market as the, uh, you know, the indicator of that, because I think he knows and he's taking credit for it, but I'd much rather him look into the camera, just like we're talking about it. And I am the microphone and tell people the truth. Right. You know, and it's not the truth. Like, this is bullshit, right? But, uh, you know, and I get why he doesn't is you can't have that because you probably have mass panic and then it would just automatically start to shut down, right? We can't have that. So I get it. But, right. you know, there's got to be a way to do that besides him doing in the way he approaches it, which isn't right. He's got, that's why the Fed, I mean, I don't even listen to what the Fed, their, their white paper statement each time is it's an over-the-top wordsmith file. Zero hedge prints it live, real time. And shows changes over prior month. They wordsmith the shit out of it, and every single word they hang on of Janet Yellen. So, I, you know, Trump during the campaign said, "I've cashed out. We're gonna have a crash. It's gonna be ugly. I'd get out now." He said this in June 2016, when the market was at probably you know 17, 1,800. <laughs> they probably now, they probably kept it going just so they could spite him on that. You know what I mean? Which is like yep. he's like, okay, <laughs> right? He's yep, exactly. he's so, so good. We're at Dow 22. Maybe he gets to Dow 25 at max. Some people have said Dow 30. Um, but again, the, the fall is going to be down to 7 or 8. So no matter how hard we get, we're going to fall big time. And you and I both lost money in 2008. It wasn't pretty. And, but, but what happened? We were told by everybody not to worry. Everything's fine. There's not a crisis on our hands. So the Fed, the government, the brilliant people at Goldman Sachs and J.P. Morgan, no one could predict it. So... What we're saying is, don't just because they're the adults in the room doesn't mean they're right. So you know, and and again, that could be something for another day because we don't get into finance as much as we should around here. But I think we, we should be doing that more often. Um, that was uh that you know what you just said was kind of prophetic. That was my my biggest takeaway, which I had a lot of them. Uh, I've seen the movie so many times. What's the movie? Uh, with Brad, the big, the big short, right? And if anybody yeah. hasn't seen that, they should go rent it or see it on Netflix or wherever it is right now. Watch it twice. You might need to to digest it all if you're unfamiliar with it. But, you know, to me, one of the most powerful statements or, you know, parts of the movie, and there were a lot of them, right, throughout, there were a lot of like, wow, jaw-dropping moments if you understand and can conceptualize what was happening. Uh, was at the very end, right, when those two guys, uh, Charlie and the other guy, his partner there, the young guys, they walked up into, was it Goldman Sachs, who everybody had been cleared out and it was failure? Lehman Brothers, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, the Lehman Brother collapsed and they somehow got a pass and walked in and just they were standing there and it was just eerie, right? Now, you know, they had this perception of this, you know, unshakable financial institution and Wall Street and they had shunned these guys just not too long ago and these guys were aspiring to be here. 
And they just walked up there and they were like, I thought, what do you think you were going to find here? And he just looks and he goes, a bunch of adults. Yep. Yep. Exactly. I remember that. Right? And I'm getting like goosebumps just even saying it, remembering it, because it's just like, wow, right. I totally, that's right. That's right. Yep. Yep. I think that's so that's that, one of the most defining moments for any person, I think, like human being. I don't know if you've had it yet, but it's like, you know, some of the most defining moments is when people realize that, like, growing up is not becoming an adult for a lot of people, you know, and and yep. you peel back the curtain on a lot of things that, you know, as a kid, you think, oh, well, you know, this is run this way because of, you know, these are adults that know what they're doing. And then you find out that it's like not too much. No, exactly. So one of the guys I read is Jim Rickards. Um, I think I talked, may have talked about this, but he said he got to meet Ben Bernanke at some private function. And this was right when quantitative easing was taking off. I think they were on QE2 before QE3 in 2012. And he asked Bernanke, he's like, this, you guys are in uncharted waters with this QE stuff. Do you, do you know what's going on and what's going to happen? And Ben Bernanke said, we're basically kind of just making it up as we go. We don't know what the hell's going to happen. This is the head of the Federal Reserve, Ben Bernanke. Well, yeah, I, I agree um, with that. But let's put an addendum to that. What we do know is that they, the politicians, have already signed the, the, the citizens, us, of the United States, up to foot the bill, whatever that is fucking uh result is ross and that that Correct. that is fact and if people don't know that then you know you're you're behind the eight ball yep all that bailout law that was happening 2012 through 2015 um that's all that's all true like what we saw in greece was a template what we saw in cyprus was a template um and now that's become a universal way that these people screw us over the taxpayer will have to be the ones to bail out yet again uh, and on top of that, they'll lose some of their deposit balance when stuff goes up. When it goes tits. You up see, you know, going back to my point, do you see why if anybody who has equity, it's like cash that out and do something with it, right? Cash your chips out, and again, it's an inconvenience, but it's like it's there now until it's not, and then it's a problem, right? Because your house could go underwater, whoever it is, uh, and all right. that will go gone. Or it could just not be there and, you know, the situations change for a lot of things. But it's like, you know, this is it, man. This is uh, you don't have this many times. And a lot of people in previous generations didn't even have this opportunity in their lives. And some people have had it twice now in our generation. So, yep. um, you know, it, it's kind of interesting. It is. It is. So. Um, very interesting times. So I don't, we're we're an hour and six in. Um, why don't we stop for today? I'll publish this, release this in the next 10 minutes. Get it on out, Ross. I'll get it on out, and then I'll, we'll, we'll meet on Thursday and see what else is changed. Hey! Does that work? Yeah. Does that work oh, for you, Oh, yeah, Steven? that's fantastic. You keep, you keep zoning out. Does I'm that like, work for you, crack-ass cracker? It does. It works for me, crack-ass cracker. Um, all right, so we'll stop there. Good, good episode. Um, give us your feedback, and uh, we'll talk on Thursday. Okay, fantastic. Thanks, everyone. Later. See ya. Bye-bye.